Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 28. Welcome to the Secrets to Real Estate Investing podcast by House Flip Masters, where you will learn powerful strategies from top experts in real estate investing, and you will find valuable information to take your investments to the next level. Now, here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Well, hello there, and welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing by House Flip Masters. Today, we have an awesome woman with us. And I just love when I get females on the show because there's not a lot of women in real estate investing. So I love to find awesome women who are successful making it happen and invite them on to share their secrets of success with you. So today we have with us Christy Sertwell. She is a really fun, interesting, and beautiful lady from Canada that came down here to Southern California and started doing real estate investing and flipping houses down here. And you get to learn so much more about her today. I'm so excited to have her. So with that, welcome Christy to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, why don't we get started by having you share your backstory, what you were doing before real estate, and how you kind of ended up in it. Sure. Well, you already mentioned I'm from Canada, so I'm sure you'll hear that accent come out at some point (laughs) during the conversation. Um, But uh, I moved 10 years ago. And before, you know, in Canada, I was doing a bunch of jobs I didn't like to do. You know, I worked for government that was not up my alley at all. I tried climbing the corporate ladder. Um, I even worked for a nonprofit, and I actually didn't mind working for the nonprofit company. But you know, there's a there's an income cap. I think I was making twenty eight thousand, and that was sort of the, the highest you could make at that company a year. So I just realized I wanted to do something different financially, and so um, I had bought a house and another rental property in Canada, and I thought this is really what I want to do. So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, everybody's read that, but I really took that to heart and I thought, I need to figure out a way to do this. So um, after that, I just started looking into courses. I took some courses and eventually I knew that I could make a business of it in California and I moved down and I guess the rest is history. (laughs) Well, come on, you got to tell us a little bit more about it. So you read the book. Yeah. Maybe you could tell us about your first deal and in your opinion, was it a success or failure? Well, um, one of the first deals I did was actually a wholesale deal. So I, I knew I wanted to fix and flip, but you know, I wasn't sure about the market. I didn't know many people. I didn't know really what I was doing. So I thought, why don't I start with a wholesale deal? And, and I did a couple of those to begin with. So I remember this. This one was in Long Beach. I had it under contract for 120000 if you can believe that. It was a 2-1, 900 square feet or, you know, a small house in, um, you know, an area of Long Beach that, um, you know, was decent. You know, it wasn't, wasn't too bad, but I wholesaled it for one thirty, so 10K spread there. Well, that investor fixed it up, and I tracked it to see what he sold it for, and he sold it for something like... 260 or something like this. So obviously wow. I made a lot of money on that deal. I thought, okay, you know, I think I wholesaled maybe one or two other deals and then I went right into flipping. So, and actually that house is resold within the last few months for 400,000. So, you know, it's interesting just to see the same house uh, being, being sold along the years and, and the equity 
and the appreciation potential in California. It's pretty amazing here. So how fun. I've never heard anyone talking about tracking their deals to see where are they now? But that's kind of fun. Maybe I'll have yeah. to go back and look at some of mine. Although, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, an easy way to do it is I just um, like them or star them or however, whatever the term is on Redfin. Ah. So when it pops up, I'm like, oh, I recognize that house. And that's, okay. how, that's how I did it. So. Yeah, I actually do get notifications from maybe it's Redfin and Trulia. Mm -hmm. They know what I've owned and sold as a realtor somehow. So they email me, oh, there's been a change in value on this. Oh, oh that one from a couple of years ago. What's going on with that? That's fun. Yeah. Okay. So you started out as wholesaling, saw your proof of concept prove out and then jumped in. So as yeah. a beginner, did, what did you do for your financing? How did you finance flips when you jumped into that? Well, you know, when I first moved, I didn't really know anybody. So I jumped into the real estate um, investment clubs. Uh, I just started, you know, I think I was on Craigslist trying to find hard money. And back, you know, I moved in 2006. I didn't really start buying until 2008, which actually the timing of the market was perfect because it kind of crashed at that point and I could start at the bottom and start buying. Um, but I just was out there meeting as many people as I could. And I remember even on the weekends, I was out meeting realtors and going to open houses and just doing all kinds of networking just to try and understand the business. Even the terminology is hard because, you know, people say, oh, have you filled out a 1003 and a, a ARV and LTV? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, you know, every time I heard a new term, I'd write it down and look it up and so, so I actually found a couple of hard money lenders in the beginning and they were willing to loan to a new investor. Um, I did have to put some money down. Um, and I can talk about it later on if you want, how I fund my deals now. And it's similar to how I really started funding them back in the day. Um, but yeah, hard money, as long as you, you have a property with equity and you know, it's a deal to be flipped, then even as a new investor, you can still get money. Well, and since you kind of brought this up yourself just now, why don't you define hard money for our listeners okay. in case there are brand new people like, what's hard money? <laughs> yeah, well, um, basically there are companies out there and all they do is lend money to real estate investors. So, um, and there's actually quite a few of them right now. They're, and it's pretty competitive um, rates. So I remember when I first started, I was paying something like 12 and a half percent, three and a half points and a whole bunch of, you know, dock fees or whatever kind of fees they felt like throwing in there. Now it's, it's very competitive, you know, 10%, um, two points, even less than that sometimes. And, you know, very minimal dock fees. So, um, the money's out there. So, yes. and I still fund the same way. They'll loan up to about 90% of the purchase price. And I, I've even heard some lenders will loan the whole purchase price amount plus the remodel costs. So, um, yeah, it's, it's possible to get 100% financing for sure. But having said that, I still keep a good buffer of my own money in the bank account just for the carrying costs. There's always things to pay for along the way. Um, in addition to, you know, you, you obviously have your monthly um, hard money payment, um, carrying costs on the property, utilities, taxes, all that stuff. So you still need a little bit of your own money to do it. 
Yes, yeah, you need your money or you need a partner with money, but there has to be money. It is, I think it's a little deceptive if we see people out there flip houses with none of your own money. It's true, but it's a lot harder when you have none of your own money. It's possible. You gotta find someone with money. Maybe it's mom and dad, maybe it's a rich uncle but someone's gotta have some skin in the game. And yeah. so just to like reiterate on the hard money lenders, um, the nice thing about it, I mean, their rates are higher. A traditional mortgage might be 4%, hard money loan 10%, but they're lending based on the asset and the value of the home rather than your income. Because a lot of us house flippers do not have W-2s with income in that way, and um, we don't have that steady paycheck. So. They're lending based on the value of the home, knowing they can go in and repossess it, to use a term that might be familiar, or foreclose if they need to, to get their value out. So yeah, yep. hard money lenders are a huge part of our flipping world, and we probably wouldn't do so well without them. No. Do you, <laughs> do you use any um, what we call private money lenders where you have personal relationships with people and you borrow money from them directly rather than through a company? Yeah, I do. Actually, um, so when I get hard money financing, like I mentioned, they'll loan you know, about 80 to 90% of the purchase price. So that means I need to find money to cover the balance of the purchase price plus the, the remodel cost. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I will bring in a second uh, or a private lender and put them in second trustee on that property. So they're still being secured by the asset, but um, that's where I, I bring them in and work with them. And they're just like people, everyday people. I've met some at real estate clubs. I've met some just through my other hobbies. And, you know, they have 50, 100,000 to lend and they want to make a better return than um, what's you know, what they're currently earning, which if it's sitting in a bank account, it's you know, practically nothing. So, you know, and I pay anywhere from like six to 12% on that. Nice. Nice. I love that strategy. And I think that'll be eye-opening to people listening. That, and that's how you do it with none of your own money. However, in my experience and opinion, I didn't seek out private money lenders until I had a track record. So it's, best if you've got somebody that really trusts you to be an initial partner like that and knows you but it's a little bit hard if you're going out cold meeting someone at the photography meetup group because you're both into photography and you have zero track record and telling them they should put a hundred grand down on your deal it's possible but um might be a little yeah. bit better for you to do that after you've got a few yeah. out so you can prove yeah. it yeah, it, it's really a good idea to start with hard money first because these guys, it's their business, you know, they're, they're a business, in business and you still have to treat their money just like your own, but especially with a private lender, you don't want to take somebody's money and not know what you're doing. So right. it's, yeah. Yeah, you can ruin their life and yours. I've, I've heard stories like that. It's definitely um, possible. If you would now share with us how you calculate or analyze a deal and what your profit goal is per deal. I think that'd be really interesting to our listeners. Okay. Tell us about that. Yeah, so, yeah. <clears throat> basically I work sort of in the under $1 million price point. So I'll buy anywhere, you know, just ballpark 200,000 up to six or 700,000. But I want to keep my retail price, you know, what I'm going to sell the property for after I fix it up, you know, somewhere in the three to, $900,000 range, generally. 
I'm doing one right now and it's going to retail for 1.2, but that's a little out of my <laughs> comfort zone. But generally, so I'm around the half million dollar price point. <clears throat> so I've got a formula. I run the numbers. Um, I, I figure out, once I figure out what the remodel costs are going to be, I plug that in. And then I adjust the purchase price to what it needs to be to spit out a 10% return. So if I'm reselling that property for $500,000, i am looking to make $50,000. So 10% of, of the resale price. Okay. So it sometimes dips a little lower than that. Um, you know, sometimes I luck out and it can be a little higher. Maybe, you know, uh, appreciation is on my side. And, you know, by the time I sell that property, um, the value has gone up a little bit. So I make more than 10%. But generally... Generally, it's 9%, 10%. Interesting. And I know some people calculate their profit based on cash on cash return. So, And I don't have a calculator on me now, but that would probably equate to more like 12 to 15%, depending on how much money you have in the deal, I'm guessing. So some yeah, people... Like that. Yeah. And it's per deal. So I'm just, you know, my average um, turnaround time is four and a half to five months. So by the time I buy that property, by the time I fix it up and resell it, so escrow to escrow is four and a half to five months. So, and that should be per deal, that return. So that's what that's I'm looking great. for. Yeah, because yeah. when you annualize it, the return definitely goes up. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it's really good if none of your own money is in a deal, then your return is infinite. I love yeah. it. And that should be... You know, a lot of people's goals, in my opinion, is to, yeah. to get it yeah. so that you are experienced, got a great track record, using other people's money and making money with, with none of your own money in the deal. Why don't you tell us, if you would, what you like most about being a house flipper? Um, okay, well, besides the obvious, money. Yes. Um, I mean, that's obviously, you know, part of it, you know, is to make money and be successful at it. Um, I really like how many people are employed because of my, my work. You know, you're not just talking about hiring one guy. You know, I've got a team of 17 guys and a general contractor who manages all that. And all those families are fed because of my business. You know, the realtors that make money, the lenders, the title, escrow, termite guys so many people are able to have business from from my business so that's important to me too that's something i really like so i make if i'm making money then there's a lot of spin off from that i love it and i heard someone who was interviewed on a show and when he was asked oh how do you give back and he says i give i know that the interviewer was looking to see what charity he contributed to but he said i give back by providing a ton of jobs to the economy i'm like wow i mean that's so true and that hit me also probably after we've been flipping houses for three years, I was counting up and like, wow, today I've got 35 people working all day on my projects that are, like you said, feeding their families yep. because of what we're doing. We're finding problem houses, making them prettier, and then a new family gets to make that home their own and really enjoy a super nice new home that's nice and new inside. Um, why don't you tell us, if you would, one of um, one or several of the important characteristics that have helped you be successful as a real estate investor. 
I just don't give up. I remember in the beginning, you know, you are doing things over and over and not really knowing what you're doing and what's going to work. And you think like some days, you know, the, your mind plays games on you. Like, do I even know what I'm doing? In other days, you see a little bit of progress and you think, I guess the, the key to me was uh, finding somebody who was doing the business so that I knew it was an actual viable business that you could have. And when I found other investors that were doing more than me, I thought, yeah, I can make a business out of this. So just being consistent and persistent. You know, with my network, I did a lot of networking and I still do to this day. <clears throat> and... Um, and just not quitting, you know, and doing what it takes. And it, it's, it's more than just organizing your desk and shuffling paperwork and getting your business cards right. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about finding the next deal. And actually, that was something that, that someone told me when I was getting frustrated once. I said, I don't know how to, you know, kind of get this going faster. Like, just focus on the next deal. And I did. And next thing you know, I had six deals going at one time. But it's just kind of putting your head down and, and really staying focused to the thing that matters, which is finding the next deal. Don't get distracted with, you know, trying to do too many different things. Um, so that that was the key to me, just keeping at it and working, working hard in the beginning. And I still work hard, but... Um, <clears throat> It's a little more uh, systematic now. In the beginning, you're kind of doing it all yourself, just trying to sort out what you're good at doing, doing more of that, and kind of what's working. So. Love it. How many deals do you have going right now? Actually, I think I have about six. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That, I, I find that's kind of a nice manageable number myself. Yeah. Then yeah. we've had as many as 30, and that's just ridiculous. They just wait. You can't yeah. touch that many at once. Yeah. With my yeah, it's definitely manageable for one person, and and as I scale up again, um, I'll I'll need an employee for help with that because it is a lot for one person to manage. But beyond you know six or seven, so. All right. Well, why don't you tell us how you find your deals, how you did at the beginning, and has anything changed for you, and how you're doing it now? Yeah, that's a great question actually because it has changed a little bit. Um, so in the beginning, I said I, I did a lot of networking. So I would go to open houses, um, meet realtors that way, um, go to uh, realtor um, broker meetings, like anything to do with uh, connecting with a realtor, trying to make a relationship and have them know that I'm in the business of buying with cash and you know closing quick. And, uh, and back then that strategy worked great because everything came off the MLS. I could meet realtors. Um, and actually I bought a few wholesale deals back then too. And the wholesalers I met at the real estate investment clubs, um, and just some people that, that came to know I was in the business, you know, through Facebook or just, you know, other networking things. But I would say probably from 2010 to 2013, 90% of the properties were coming off the MLS. So a realtor would call me up, say, hey, here's a property. It was either their own or someone else's listing they found. And then they would write the offer for me and submit the offer. Um, now I still do networking, but it's in a different way. 
Um, I still network through realtors, and I would I would say probably 50% of the houses I buy now come through realtors, but they are not properties that are on the open market where there's 30 other investors looking at that same property. They are situations where a seller wants to sell discreetly uh, for whatever reason. They just don't want a bunch of people traipsing through their house. They want a fair price. And I offer a fair price. And, and if it works for them, then we put the deal together and that realtor may be the connection between me and the seller. So that's about half. The other half come direct through sellers. And I just, I do some online marketing, um, Facebook, and mostly it's word of mouth. It's just people now who, who I've met over the years who still know I'm in the business and they're like, Oh, you buy these kind of houses still? And I'm like, yep, well, I have one for you. And I go to meet that seller directly and between the seller and I uh, directly, we work out that. So it's all through networking now. Yeah. That's what I do too. I started out buying at auction. The first few years, everything was auction, but the last hundred houses have all been through relationships and networking. And I have not spent any money or time or energy doing direct mail yet. Have you done any direct mail? Nope. Oh, I think you're the first person that I have met doing this business except no, no mailings. Yeah. We're soul sisters there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say I've never tried it. There were there were some pieces that I, I did send out, but you know, I think the key to direct mail is you've got to do it over and over. You can't just do a one time mailer and expect to get calls off of that. Right. So I've got property radar. And I think the mailer was sent to some of those people. But again, you know, if you're, if you're not following up with door knocking or calling or repeat mailing, that, that doesn't work. Yes. I heard years ago, it used to be seven touches in general for someone to pay attention to your message. Yeah. And that's why in a magazine you flip through and you see the same company three pages in a row advertising, they're trying to hit you. And now it's as many as 14 to 15 touches because we're so bombarded with everything from ads on Facebook to, you know, the billboards when you're driving down the freeway, there's so much marketing thrown at us. That's a lot of investment. If you, I mean, you might have to hit someone with seven postcards before, like, hmm, maybe I'll call this Christy lady. She's mailed me seven times at fifty right. cents to a dollar per mailing. You know that that adds up depending on what you're yeah. saying. So yeah, not not my style at all. It's just not what I prefer to do. I, I'm not super savvy with tracking and spreadsheets and all that stuff. So I think if you're good at that, you could really get that dialed in. But just not my my cup of tea. I love it. And I love that you love to network. So if you're a listener to this podcast and you're someone that likes to talk and likes to make friends and be friends with people, obviously that's Christy's strength because now her connections and friends in her networking circles are helping her find deals and realtors want to bring deals to her. I have a 14-year-old that was just telling me the other night, Oh, I keep getting in trouble for talking and I keep getting moved in class, you know, in school. I'm like, honey, all right. And I gave him a high five. I'm like, you're, you're supposed to not talk in class, but that skill is going to serve you well later when you're in That's business. Awesome. I got in trouble for talking all the time too. That's you know, awesome. Now it's made me millions of dollars. So it's okay. Yes. <laughs> Hang in there. <laughs> so 
if you've got talkative kids, tell them to, to put it to use to make money when they grow up. So why don't you talk about what it's like as a woman to be in this business? Has it been an advantage, a disadvantage, some of both, and what you think about that? <clears throat> That's an interesting question. I, you know, I never gave it any thought when I first started. None at all. I, I didn't even think that um, it was a male-dominated business. And it kind of is. I mean, when I think about the, the other house flippers I know, um, a lot of men, more than women. Um, so I guess I sort of figured that out along the way. But I never really let that um, stop me in any way or, or think that that was any kind of handicap. And actually, now that I'm doing it, I realize maybe I even have a slight advantage you know people tend to to maybe trust me a little more um, just because of uh, my sensitive nature so when when you can be sensitive to to some of these situations and discreet and non-judgmental and you go in some of these sellers are just you know they're selling houses that yikes you know, you just put the poker face on, but really when you can actually be compassionate towards these people, they, they pick up on that. And mm -hmm. so I think it's an advantage to go in there. I agree. Where, where they can feel your, I mean, how can you help but feel bad for people in some of the situations? I did lose it one time when I was in a house that smelled of urine from all the animals in the house. It was so strong. I was there with the realtor that brought me the deal and we were standing in the house and I felt like I was going to lose my lunch. I could not stand, it smelled so bad. And the realtor and the seller are standing in there talking and said, I'm sorry, ladies, would you mind if we stepped outside to carry on the conversation? I'm like, I'm going to throw up. This is so awful. That was my only time. I mean, I, I do just feel bad for people with, you know, the animal issues, the hoarding issues, the house never got repaired, they cut the drywall off the wall. I mean, and you have to hold it together. Don't act like it's the first time you've seen it. If it is your first time you've seen it and you, your heart just goes out to them and say, oh, wow. I mean, if, if I could solve this problem for you, if, if I could give you X dollars and you could be on your way and you don't have to clean this up, you know, how would that work for you? And they just have this huge relief. Yes. Oh, you're their savior. You're saving yeah. them from this big stress. Yeah. But yeah, you got to hold it together. <laughs> it, I mean, it's amazing. You, you know, you're, you're laughing about the urine smell, but these people are living in uh -huh. houses still. And so to them, maybe it's normal. It is normal. It's their normal. Yes. You know? And maybe they know there's something not quite right about it, but to them, it's their normal. And so, you know, that's the way you handle it. And yeah, there's been a couple times where I've had to hold my breath, but I think I'm a bit immune to it now. But yeah, there's you're stepping through all kinds of goodies. So. Yes, or I've seen showers that are just black with mold and there's water in them. You know they used them that day or, or mildew and stuff and you're just like, oh my gosh, or fleas jump all over you. I mean, you just yeah. got to be prepared. In this business, if you're meeting with sellers, that is what you're going to encounter and you can't be all judgy and condescending or you're going to lose the deal. Yeah. You just got to be compassionate and yeah. pull it together, which clearly... 
you're good at. <laughs> well, thanks. And you know what? The way I look at it is they want a new start for whatever reason. You know, they need to get out, go and move to a new place and get a, get a new start. So sometimes that's what they need. Yep. Yep. And you're, you're a solution. Yep. And if we could talk about that just for a minute, if people have negative associations with investors like, Oh, you're an investor. You're going to rip me off or whatever. I mean, obviously when you show up in person and they see how kind and compassionate mm -hmm. you are, they know that, but I mean, there is some of that. Have you ever encountered that up front with people? Have they been resistant or have you not had that? No, I don't really encounter that. Um, generally, they're happy to see me, and they some can't even believe that I will buy the house as is. <laughs> um, usually, this is like kids. Like, so if someone has died, and I'm meeting with the, the adult children, um, they just can't believe that somebody like me would take, you know, the house in its current condition. I'm like, yeah, you don't have to do any cleaning. You don't have to do any repairs. It's definitely a relief. Um, on the other hand, if I make an offer and it doesn't work for them, I don't take it personally. Mm -hmm. And I can tell them, look, if this doesn't work for you, that's okay. You know, and I even go as far to tell them, look, if you wanted to put in a hundred thousand dollars to fix this up, you could list it, you know, retail for, X amount. So I, I, it's full disclosure. They can choose what option they they want, um, but generally, you know, people don't have a hundred thousand to put into these houses that just are in such bad shape. They they don't have the time and resources to do that. So they're happy just to sell it as is. So I, I don't get a lot of of any kind of negative. I would say um, I've run into realtors who have maybe had a bad experience with an investor. Mm. So, so now, you know, it's overcoming, oh, you're an investor. Okay, well, yes, but I say, well, I'm one of the nice ones. Well, then that sort of gets a smile on their face and you can kind of hopefully build a, a relationship from there. So, yeah. Yeah, and I've heard realtors, they've told me, well, I've had a deal tied up and then the investor turned out they had no money and they couldn't close on the deal. So they were obviously a wholesaler and they were trying to wholesale the deal and they didn't. So I explain and overcome the objection and maybe you've had this too. I perform. If I go on a deal, I am going to get it done. You don't have to worry about that with me. And I have a track record. I've done over 200 houses and you can speak to some other realtors. You just lay it out there they're going to trust you and have that confidence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we need to wrap things up, but would you please share with us some advice that you would give to someone just starting out? You've already alluded to the fact that you need to be consistent and persistent, but any other advice that you would have for new people? Yeah, I, th I think that's really the best advice. Um, you know, it's hard because it's a business that, uh, you know, you sometimes you don't know really what you're good at until you get into it. I knew I was good at networking. I liked meeting people. And so that's sort of what I started focusing on. So just being consistent, knowing that it's a, a true way to make a nice living. You know, there's people like me and you and lots of others that have made a full-time business out of it. So having the belief that it is something they can be successful in. Um, obviously getting education, you know, I always, I mean, I, I got lots of education in the beginning through way of courses I paid for and attending real estate investing groups. 
um, and that's money well spent. Um, so just between that and then taking action, like, don't be afraid to do it. You've got to just jump in and do it. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time and for sharing some of your strategies. It's been really helpful and I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me, Holly. All right. Thank you. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. You can find our show notes at our website, houseflipmasters.com on the podcast page. Also, to get our top tips for finding deals without spending lots of money, go to houseflipmasters.com for your free download today.